to another episode of the Last Ones In podcast. I am your host, Drya Archuleta, and with me today we have Robbie. I'm very tired today. <laughs> and then all the way from across the country, like always, other side of the country, not this part of the country, the other side of it, we have Rocky. That's, cool. <laughs> that's that's him. <laughs> and this is the podcast where being late to the party isn't a bad thing. And today, we will be taking a look at 2016's The Wailing, a horror movie. And uh, this week, actually, Rocky is presenting the movie. So two weeks in a row, we have somebody uh, other than myself and Robbie and E presenting. Last week, we had Sam with Terrorvision. And then this week, we have uh, Rocky with The Wailing, two horror movies in a row. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Rocky, I guess uh, take it away. All right. Well, um, so, yeah, we are watching The Wailing, which is, uh, in, uh, which is a Korean flick. And the actual name of the movie uh, is Gaksung, which, uh, interesting fact, is actually a city in Korea, but it also means the sound of crying. So when it was translated to English... They assumed it was actually called, you know, The Sound of Crime, but it doesn't make a good horror movie name, so they called it The Wailing. <laughs> I'd watch that but movie. But it's actually about the city in Korea, because the director's grandmother is from that city, and it's a very Catholic location, but it has a very kind of supernatural feel, and so he wanted to capture that sort of feeling for this movie. So it was a mistranslation. The French didn't do any better. They called it uh, The Strangers. So, <laughs> now, I was looking at a, a, a talent, the, the, the name of it in Italy, and I think it translates to, to like the devil or something like that. What the fuck? Is- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Nobody has any the- idea what the fuck this movie is. Gotta love that localization. I think, I think in Canada, I can't recall, but I think they actually just call it Goksung. However, however it's pronounced, I'm pretty sure I'm butchering that. But yeah, I'm extremely excited to watch this movie with you two because I personally like it and I really want to see what you two think about this. So before we go any further, I do have a question. You said that it was a primarily Catholic province that his grandmother was from? Yeah, it is. Um, that, that, that particular area, I was reading up on it. It didn't... The, 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 there's a little bit of ambiguity when the director talks about things. He doesn't really go in depth, but from what he said, uh, Catholics fled into that region to be martyred or would later become martyred. But that doesn't make sense to me because everyone in that region is Catholic. Uh, the director himself <laughs> has a pretty heavy Christian background, which you'll see themes of that in this movie. So, yeah, uh, I think South Korea is like a mix between Christianity and Buddhism, just depending, you know. That's such an odd little mix. Yeah, well, you know, colonialism, am I right? <laughs> I guess for the region, it somewhat makes sense, just because, you know, Catholicism just kind of spread its way around the world. But uh, uh, I think whenever we think of that, because, like, you know, North Korea, if you're uh, if you're Christian or Catholic, they probably just throw you in jail. Same thing with China. I mean, North Korea, it doesn't matter what you are. They're just going to throw you in jail. They yeah. don't give a fuck. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> Put a piece of paper in your pocket, go to jail. And that is a fact. We looked that one up. Yeah, yeah. we Googled that. Google that shit. North Korea. <laughs> fucking go to jail. Right to, right to jail card. I, for sure. You play Monopoly in North Korea, every single space is go directly to jail. It's either go to jail or, 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 or worship the uh, the guy. 
Kim Jong Un. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I forget. There's so many. We got we we have our own. We have to worry about right. Yeah, we can't worry about the one far away. We have our own little sausage finger dictator. We have to deal with right now. So. <laughs> But uh, yeah, before we really go any further, I guess um, we should uh, talk about what's been going on in everybody's lives. Let's start with Robbie here. What's been going on, man? Mostly work. I think I told you la- or sometime last week, even though I wasn't on the podcast, that uh, in my spare time I've been playing a lot of Vampire the Masquerade, but that's partially because uh, uh, Geek and Sundry uh, had like their own little mas- uh, Vampire the Masquerade um, tabletop game going on with that and that got me back into the actual video game of it so that's what most of my spare time has actually been going towards that and apparently sleeping because that's what i've been doing pretty much this whole weekend that's just regular robbie activity though yeah i think the most interesting thing that's happened to me like thus far this week is last night i woke up at like three o'clock in the morning to the sound of a loud bang which i'm hoping was a firework i'm yeah i'm gonna say it's a firework there's just fireworks going off in the middle of the night constantly. It, but it was just one. Like, it wasn't like a whole bunch of fireworks. It was just like one, just one loud pop. And then like, I went outside and I looked and like, I didn't see anything. And like, cops never came in the area or anything. So I'm hoping it was just a firework because 4th of July <laughs> is coming up soon. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? Yeah. Just wake all your neighbors up at 3 a.m. with fireworks. What else are you going to do drunk at 3 a.m.? Yeah, Robbie? exactly. But uh, that and like, on the way over here, actually, I got stuck behind a student driver and the reason I know it was a student driver is because, like, they had two bumper stickers on the back of it that said, uh, uh, student driver, be afraid, be very afraid on it. Oh, God. And this car had a broken taillight, and it looks like someone legitimately smashed the windshield with a baseball bat. Like, it is that broken of a windshield. <laughs> and I know, like, I was just sitting there staring at this windshield the entire way over here, like, what the fuck happened to their car? Student driver. Yeah, apparently. Nobody told him he's not supposed to smash it on a windshield with a baseball bat. <laughs> uh, apparently. But yeah, like that's besides that, just mostly work and work related stuff. My supervisor, like every now and then, like just reminding me that I need to develop my job sheets. Like other than that, like I I sit there and I listen to Vampire the Masquerade on my phone. That seems fantastic. But uh, Rocky, how have you been? You're like super into Vampire Masquerade. Currently I am. Currently I am. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> it's a pretty good um, game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's. I'm actually. Uh, there's a new one coming out, right? Uh, there should be. Uh, they say December 30th of this year. Hopefully, <laughs> that's not gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> like because of the whole pandemic, it may not happen. But I'm kind of. I'm being hopeful about it. Uh, for me, not much is going on. Finished a draft on a story. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. It, it took it took a long time to to get it, and so now I'm 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 just trying to perfect it and hope I don't make the same mistakes I made on the last story. But besides that, nothing's really new. Just life. Life continues. Yeah. That doesn't sound happy at all. <laughs> well, you know, just you got to get me on the right day, right? <laughs> moods <laughs> moods are like ocean waves. They go up. They go down. You know. It's just sometimes. A little sad, and it's like, you know, I guess I still exist. You know, some days that's that's how I feel, like I, I still exist. And then some days I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, to be fair, like, I'm pretty sure I had the face of, like, I haven't slept in a day, or in days, even though I just woke up before I came here. Once again, with me, listen to Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, the villain in there had a... <laughs> I'm just going to say this, like the villain had a moment where you find out exactly how crazy he is. And my day today could very much be compared to that with him. Just like, 
party. Yes, we're going to have a party. <laughs> I'm so tired. But no, I was going to say, I think if anyone understands having bad days, though, it should be Mr. Cries in the Shower with Vodka. It's fine. It's completely Have normal. you actually done that, though? Like, straight up? <laughs> Cries in the Shower with Vodka? Really? Yeah. Have you or no? Yeah. You really have? Yeah. When? Like, you know, you straight up have. Yeah, like, not recently, but yeah. <laughs> When's the when's I I, I don't want to say last time because I don't want to apply it multiple. <laughs> What's the most recent session? <laughs> <laughs> when did this occur? I don't know. A few years ago. Oh, that's not bad then. A yeah. few years back. I, I feel like if there was any time that he cried in the shower with vodka, it may have been around the time that he was putting up Facebook posts of I just ate an entire twelve pack of tacos and now I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> moment in his life. Yeah. I could think of a few moments in your life where that made sense yeah like now if you did it it'd be like really like wow like, huh, a lot of em- there's something going on <laughs> fucking covid's been really hard on him i mean the thing that i do enjoy doing that i don't do very often is shower beers that's that's shower very beer. refreshing a shower beer yeah just get like a nice ice cold beer go and take a hot shower just drink that while you shower it sounds sad because it is but also it's nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think you're 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 having a shower beer not because you've let yourself go but just because you legitimately enjoy it like somewhere along the line you had let yourself go and you're like hey shower beers are fantastic and now that like life's looking up you're like you know what i'm gonna get one of them shower beers (laughs) only be for depressed people i'm taking it back taking it back this this is now a, a leisurely activity on occasion yeah exactly yeah if i had a shower beer it would be for I'd be in the opposite direction. It's gotten bad. It's gotten really bad. Did you do the thing where you put your arms against it and just let the the, the water hit your head? No. See, the trick is, if you want to survive with shower vodka, you really need to be sitting down in the shower. What, you just let it, like, hit in front of you? And you no, just like on it? you. Jesus. But then you get water in the vodka. No, you keep it at arm's reach out of the water. When you want to drink, you take a drink of the vodka, and then you put it at arm's reach again. I would have gotten, if I was in your shoes three years ago, I would have gotten the tribal tattoo, so I just put that shit down. <laughs> Actually, I do this one, because that's where the selfie goes. Put my head down like that. <laughs> yeah, okay, so mine's not really to be a practical vodka. It's, more just like, it's, it's like if I heard Jariah do it, and he got a lot of attention for it, and I wanted that attention, so I do it. You know? <laughs> so there's different reasons, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So Jariah. How's your week been? It's been great. I have been filling it with hours and hours of sadness whenever I can. Last of Us 2 came out. So literally, if I'm not working on this podcast or eating or talking to Liz, I have been playing that. I stay up till 1 in the morning playing that. I go to bed. I wake up at like 7 in the morning. And then I go to work. I come home. I eat. I edit. And then I play that till 1 in the morning again. It's been fantastic. The only thing I can contribute is since our conversation... I watched some videos, and all I can say is, Abby's not as jacked as people were saying she's jacked. She's pretty fucking jacked, though, actually. She's she's tough, but, like, when you actually see her from, like, a regular distance, she does not, like, gigantic arms. They seem to be relative proportion to her body. Uh, Whenever know? she moves her arms, you can definitely see that she, like, lifts 300. It looks normal. It looks like she's just a jacked female. Like, it looks like it fits her. It's just... It's weird looking so, yeah, at a jacked I saw, female. I saw, so, I saw, like, a picture where someone, like, gave her, like, the arms of, like, fucking Batman. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, 
yeah, I guess let's uh move on to the movie. So I have not seen it. It's kind of funny, though. Um, I originally had a different movie planned for this week. And then Rocky's like, whoa, whoa wait, no, no, no. Have you guys seen this? I really want to show you The Wailing. I'm like, oh, no shit. Like, I literally just, like, got a bunch of trailers on, like, all of my everything, basically, for this movie this week. And I was like, well, I guess I need, like, one way or another, I was going to watch this movie, either on my free time or on this podcast. Like, it just wound up being perfect timing. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I'm extremely excited. I feel, I've, if, I, if I had a choice, uh, it would have been uh, you, Robbie, and Sam, because obviously you three are horror aficionados. Right. So that's that's the, you know, that would have been awesome. E, if, if he was into it. But yeah, this is, I don't, I can't say I have a lot of movies on a list that I would like to show people, but this is kind of like a hidden gem for me because I don't hear a lot of people talking about this movie and I think it's good hindsight there might be a little bit of like xenophobia and a little bit of religious preference um (laughs) (laughs) but hey this is america man we're 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 built we're built around xenophobia we we should embrace this this extreme toxicity built on horrible characteristics well it's it's i don't know it's it's relative i guess and it's it i there's an argument that it's not but we'll get into that um, but yeah, this, this is going to be cool. Yeah. So I have seen a minute of one of the trailers and realized I wanted to see it basically right away. So I stopped watching after a minute. I don't think the trailer gave much away, but we'll see. Um, Robbie, have you seen this? I have not. Uh, this is actually my first time even hearing about the movie. Like Rocky said, not a lot of people talk about it. And I'm one of those people who haven't even heard about it until, you know, we were talking about what we're going to watch this week. And he said the wailing and I was just kind of like, huh? <laughs> Which, that's awesome. That's kind of the, the whole idea of this podcast, is going in completely blind. This is a good one. This is a good one for that, I think. There will not be many regrets. Or there might be. You never know. I don't know. I take no responsibility either way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, since I have seen part of a trailer, Robbie, why don't you jump in first with what you think this movie will be about? So, a movie called The Wailing. Uh, I almost feel like this movie has something to do with banshees. And kind of one of those things of, you know, people waking up in the middle of the night and hearing screaming and then, you know, oh, their neighbor disappeared or, you know, and then like, uh, it's just one of those, like, it just kind of hits random people and like eventually gets to the point where there's like missing posters of all these different people throughout the city and someone trying to investigate what's happening and then they find something they're not supposed to find and then eventually end up finding a secret underground organization run by clowns and there's a dog that uh, is the puppet master of all of it. And then... (laughs) Then um, Doctor Who shows up. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just jumping off the rails as much as I can right now. Um, cool. Um, from what I saw of the trailer, like like I said, it didn't really feel like it gave much away. It seemed like it was mostly like a tonal trailer, like showing like this is what you the tone you should expect for the next hour and a half if you watch this movie. So it seems like it's gonna be, it's kind of gonna trick us into the horror. I think it seems like it starts off pretty silly and weird. And it just drops into more horrible, horrific things as it keeps going. So I think it's going to start off with like a bumbly, fat, doofus kind of character. And then eventually he's going to like unsol- uncover like this horrible mystery that's going on with people disappearing and being slaughtered. And uh, and then at the end, everybody's dead, probably. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> it's actually interesting that you bring that up <clears throat> about the different, you know, like comedy versus horror. One of the things that the director has been praised on is how he's able to weave very different concepts or very different themes into an overall tragic picture. And he had said that the reason why he 
emphasize the comedy was because he felt it was too dark and he needed something for people to uh, find relatable so that they could ride that into, you know, those darker themes. Also, it was like very but purpose, purposeful. He, he, he puts a lot of, he, 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 he just said that it was what the movie needed. Otherwise it would have been too depressing. So the humor <laughs> was a way to, to kind of weave in more relatable characters and get you more invested but yeah, I think it, it does work really well. But I know what you're talking about, that sort of feeling. Well, Rocky, I guess, uh, read the description of this movie, the back of the box, as it were. All right. Well, this uh, back of the box is brought to you by IMDb. Um, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, I figure I should give a shout out, right? Just in case. Uh, <laughs> soon after a stranger arrives in a little village, a mysterious sickness starts spreading. A policeman drawn into the incident is forced to solve the mystery in order to save his daughter. Oh, that was quick. That's it? Yeah. Okay. We get that sometimes. I got I got another one for you. Would you like to hear about the rating of this movie? Sure. It's not. There's no rating. Oh, it's just completely unrated. It's not rated. Oh, because... Is, wait, is there like a physical release in the States? Yeah. It's not rated, though. It just didn't do it? Apparently, you don't have to. Uh, if you want your movie broadcasted in theaters, you have to. They're like, fuck that. But if it's yeah, if it's a straight DVD thing, then I, I guess you don't really need to. Like, it just means that the MPAA didn't rate it, therefore it's an unrated version of that movie. Well, yeah, but like, I thought they would have to have some sort of rating at some point. But no, it's you can opt out. It's optional. You just can't. You can't screen it in theaters in the country. Huh? If you yeah. if you opt out, they opted out. They just said. It's not for us, bro. <laughs> I don't I don't even know. It took me a long time to realize that it just isn't rated because everywhere I looked, I got nothing. Huh. I even went on to like a rating website. There's like a like the national website for rating movies and it didn't pull up. And I was like, well, then I'll just get the movie and then see it because they have to show it in the beginning. And they didn't huh. literally couldn't find anything. So it's not rated. <laughs> As you I, say, I guess we have no idea what we're getting into then. That feels very much like an uh like a super indie thing to do. Like something that you know that's not gonna go into theater releases or anything like that, so you just go ahead and <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure. I mean I I've pulled up the other movies that the director has made and they don't seem very indie. I mean they're not they're one's kind of known. I really don't know how well known it is, but it's one one awards. I don't know if you've heard of The Chaser. No. 2008. Yeah, it was his debut film, and he, he won an award for it. Uh, well, he, he's won a lot of awards for his stuff, but um, I don't I don't necessarily know if it's indie or not. I don't think so. Huh. I just don't think it's relatively well-known. So if people wanted to watch with us, where could they do that? So what I pulled up, actually, was um, if you wanted to watch this movie, uh, apparently it's on Dubai or Tubi for free. It's also on Vudu for free, apparently, but that's been iffy from what we've seen in the past. Yeah. You can watch it on Crackle for free because Crackle's just free. So, like, if you don't mind advertisements, then you could watch it on those three platforms for free, probably. And then there's the usual suspects. There's YouTube, Google Play, Amazon Prime, and Amazon Prime for $2.99 each. And then apparently if you have a Sling TV subscription, you can watch it. Oh, nice. If you guys want to check that out, those are the places. How long is the movie, Rocky? The movie will be two hours and 36 minutes or 156 minutes, however you prefer to do that. 
do your thing. Cool. Well, I guess let's stop talking about it and go experience it. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll be back in a little bit with our spoiler-free thoughts on the movie. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, just talk to you guys in a little bit. And we are back from watching The Wailing 2016. Who was the director on this one again, Rocky? The director was... I'm probably going to butcher this, but it was Nahong Jin. Okay. Nahong Jin. And then to add on to the uh, discussion we were having beforehand, before we started watching the movie, this was not an independent movie. It was produced by 20th Century Fox. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I it do was like have Fox that here. 4 or something like that. It was saying or 20th Century Fox 4, which I'm guessing is the South Korean Fox. It was si- it was produced by Side Mirror Fox, which is, I guess, something under Fox International. So yeah. not an indie movie, which is interesting. Yeah, I guess I had had uh, known that. Maybe <laughs> my understanding of the film industry wasn't solid enough for me to realize that. But yeah, you're right. It's. It is not an independent movie. Didn't look like he made independent movies. He has one uh, called Han that was made in 2007. That seems like it could be independent, but besides that, you know what that probably was? That might have been one of his short films because his 2008 was considered his debut film, uh, and Han was in 2007. I know that he made a few short films prior, so that probably was an indie short film that he made. That would Um, make sense, yeah. Yeah. What'd you guys think? I hesitantly say that I enjoyed it. I found it intriguing throughout the whole thing. So, for the most part, it kept me interested on what was going to happen. Until, I feel like I had so many questions in the last 10 minutes. And then I feel like almost all of them got answered in the last 30 seconds. Almost? Yeah. I don't know. I um, I was thinking about this movie. This This movie... Is very basic when you look at the plot, right? When you actually figure out what the plot is, it's a pretty basic plot. How it plays out is pretty complex, but a basic idea, right? Yeah. But it feels like it really destroys like a deeper meaning to the movie, too. Um, I get, I guess it could, but it could also support the whole it being racist thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I that's that's what I mean. It, it could have a very unappealing idea behind it, but there's some context that we'll we'll get into about what the director was going through during that time. Uh, watching it again because, I don't know, I feel like it's such a we- I feel like it's very well made. It's Like you said, it's very captivating to watch and you can get lost in what's going on. So it's, it's extremely well made. So I, I don't know. I don't know. This could be like what, what happened with Pandora where I wanted it to be something it wasn't. <laughs> but there are there are more clues that we could put into this thing to what's going on. Then we I guess we can all decide in the end if this is just <laughs> if this is just South fucking Korean super xenophobia. racist. <laughs> yeah. What's very interesting is the movie did really well in South Korea, so if it is xenophobic, South Koreans had no problem with that. <laughs> Definitely not the same same issues that we'd have over here. <laughs> what about you, Robbie? I mean, I can't say that I did enjoy the movie, but it did almost have kind of that lost feeling of like, oh, I think this is happening. And then something challenges that belief. And you're like, okay, well, I have no idea what the fuck's going on now. 
Yeah. Yeah. The movie itself isn't like it is an enjoyable movie. I did enjoy watching it, but it, it's like Dry said. It kind of like it's very vague about what it is until the very ending of the movie. Yeah. The entire the first two hours feel like a strange dreamscape almost, and then the last thirty minutes feels like that like last five minutes when you're having a weird dream and then it turns into a nightmare. Like that's what that movie feels like. But not necessarily in a bad way, though. Yeah, I um, yeah, I think that that was kind of somewhat the intention of the director. He said that he wanted to design a movie. So I guess when he goes in the theater, he sees three different kinds of audiences. He sees the people who can't catch up and have no idea what's going on. I don't actually think I took the notes for this one. But one one group is for people who dissect the movie at the end. There's the audience who can't catch on to what's going on. There's the audience who already has decided what's going on and looks for things to validate. And then there's the audience that just lets the whole thing play, just lets it be what it is. And he wanted to make a movie for both for all three audiences. So he wanted to make a movie for people who couldn't catch up. So it didn't really matter where <laughs> you're at. It felt like it felt like you were concrete. He also wanted a movie that had a definitive story. From the beginning to the end, it didn't leave it much open for. And then he also has a movie for people who have their own theory and how it plays back and forth. And so he wanted he wanted that experience for those three three audiences. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah, it is one thing Dry did say at one point in the or while we were watching it is that it almost the movie almost doesn't know what it's supposed to be. Like it feels like it's just trying to play on all these different things, and it's not sure what it is until closer towards the end of the movie it's definitely weird it's definitely it weird it is very like Jariah said very dream kind of like a dream state you know there are parts for instance where like it looked like it was just a part of the the movie or i mean it's all part of a movie but it looked like it was actually happening then it turned out to be a dream but then it also turned out not to be a dream and so it goes bef- between those two things really easy and yeah. I, w- yeah. I don't know why you know but we'll get more into that in the spoilers. For now, I think we should do, uh, we'll start with Robbie. What do you think of this movie overall? And would you buy, rent, stream, or pass? Uh, overall, like I said, it is a good movie, but I think it's, like we were saying, it's purposefully vague. If you're into horror movies, especially like Korean horrors, because like, the thing that I like about movies like this is um, they do body horror very well, and like they have a good way of uh, making you pay attention to the eyes of everyone that's in there and it kind of draws in the terror of everything that's happening whether it's you know the people who the terror is happening to them or the terror in the eyes of something like you know the demon creatures that you see in the movie or even like towards the very beginning uh the person wherever like the like his eyes are just white like the color has been completely taken out of his eyes and he just kind of like doing that blank stare thing i do like when they pay attention to certain details like that or like you know, how there's always just something in the background and you don't even, or it doesn't even pay attention to it unless you're actually looking for it. So it does a lot of horror elements very well. So I say that this is at least worth like a stream or a rent if you have the capability of streaming it since, you know, it being a South Korean flick means it's not, it's going to be harder to stream it here in the States, but I'd say it's at least worth being, it's worth seeing at least. So I'd say like a rent. Okay. For me, it would be mixed. I don't know. Because on one hand, I feel like on rewatches, it could it could enlighten some things that the movie is trying to do and maybe feel like the early stuff is a little clearer after having like seen how it all completely unfolds. And maybe maybe that would stuff would look 
a little more shiny in the mirror if you right. if you catch my drift um, on a second viewing of it. Right, but like on the other hand, that might take away some of the fun of it because suddenly you know exactly where it's going, and there's not there's not this sense of like I need to figure this out, and so your brain almost goes on autopilot in those kind of situations. At least it does for me, but. I don't know. I would definitely be interested in watching it again. I would say if you can, it's at least worth a rental. Because I think that they do deserve the money for what they did. Because it is a beautifully shot film. The entire thing looks gorgeous from the first frame to the last one. Right. And even though it's a long movie, like you'd say it doesn't feel like it's wasting your time at least, right? I don't know, actually. <laughs> I think it could have cut out a good 15 minutes here and there. Okay. So you're just very on the fence about this movie then. Yeah, it's really weird. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but as the person who's seen it before, Rocky, what do you think? I, I really do like this movie, which is why I really hope to God it's not just a, a basic <laughs> don't don't trust foreigners. That's I really hope it's not that because that would be so, so awful. <laughs> Don't, I mean, don't I trust yeah. foreigners and Christianity is good. Like I hope that's not, <laughs> I hope that's not the message. I feel like there's um, better examples of movies like that. I like I, I, I don't think it's that kind of movie. I I really hope not, because I really there's the the way this director weaves stories together is something that I'm really at least for the I haven't seen his other stuff, but I'm really attracted to how this movie works out. Just the whole thing, like I, I have, I knew what in theory is supposed to happen, but I still get lost in the story. And there's certain things that happen that it, it does what it does. I feel really well, and I mean, I'm not so dry is on the fence about the whole movie, but going through the story, you're forced on the fence with what's right and what's wrong, what's going on, you know, and that's I think something that's really cool about the movie. I would, I would, this is one of the few movies I would buy because it's very, it it draws me to the tragedy. It's extremely beautiful, but I also appreciate the characters feel very human. And there is, it's to me, there's, there's good comedy in it, you know, very, there's a silliness to it too. There's a really clean transition from a, comedy like cop buddy thing into horror there's like a very smooth transition between them yeah it's it's just it's it's i like it i, I like it a lot i i would i would buy it i personally would buy this movie okay um yes but i think for us to really kind of dig into this we need to be able to talk about spoilers because there is a lot in this movie to spoil Right, and it and, would kind of ruin the experience if you knew everything that was going to happen. Yeah, and I think we we did like I think all three of us even touched in on some things that are mildly spoilery, even in our non-spoilery thoughts, because it it is hard to talk about this movie without actually getting into the nitty gritty. Yeah, so we're gonna go full on spoilers now. I would really love you guys to join us for that because I have a lot of questions and a lot of thoughts about this movie, and um, I can only talk about them in spoilers. So, if you're at all interested by anything that we've said, go watch this movie, find an opinion, and come back and listen to us if you have to. If you don't care about that, listen to us. We're going to be right here. Be back in just a second. And we're in the spoilers. All right. 
Okay, so the, the very first thing that I want to dig into here is that this movie starts how a lot of, like, my favorite murder mystery things start with rain. It's just fucking dropping the ocean from the sky. And Isn't the, the the first two scenes was the, I don't know if it counts as a scene, but it's the, the Bible verse about Jesus saying, don't you believe in me? You can see me as I am. Sort of like yeah. that. Uh, we we talked about that because um, the version that we watched it didn't give us subtitles on that, so we actually had to get like Google Translate on our phone and our on Dry's phone and like put it up to the screen to like see what that verse was. And yeah, oh was, that's awesome. Yeah, it was Luke chapter twenty four verse thirty seven to thirty nine, I believe. And yeah, it was the basically like after Jesus came or you know came out of the grave after three days of being in there. It's saying, like, don't you believe that I'm here? Don't you believe I'm him while showing the uh, holes in his hands to his yeah, to his disciples saying that this is me? Yeah. And then the second scene was the Japanese guy putting um, worms on a hook. Yeah. Yeah. But those are so short that I feel like. Yeah, they don't really they don't really play. And they're, they're kind of like once you watch it, they have value. Right. Because like the worms thing is like full on spoilers. F- last warning. The worms are just, like, him basically putting out the bait. Like, that's literally what yeah. he's doing through this whole thing. Is like, he's just baiting people in to get them into his little little cave. Because he's a demon. Yeah, it's it, it, um, on hindsight, it appears that he can't forcefully enter your home. You have to go to him. And then he has you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I think the first thing that we should talk about before we even talk about the story is the fact that through the whole thing, literally everybody in the movie's like, yeah, that Jap man over there. He's bad news. He comes from bad places. We should kill him. Pretty much. And then at the end, he turns out to be bad news, and they should have killed him. Well, that's. I think that might have been the bait, too, is that he, he lured people in who wanted to kill him. Like, that's, that's how he got yeah, them, Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> like, he lured people in who were... Like, he purposefully chose people who were xenophobic about him. And one thing that I was telling Dry about this movie, too, like... It was very interesting the way that they did that, how it was just like a Korean man and a Japanese man, because it's uh, it's almost like if they had a man from Italy inside of or in Mexico, because someone who doesn't speak Spanish or Italian and heard those two languages going back and forth would be like, oh, that's the same thing. Like, why do they need a translator for that? And like someone who doesn't speak Korean and doesn't speak Japanese wouldn't really see a huge difference between that either. Yeah. And um, I mean, th- there's there's a lot that goes to that. But the director had said that when he was asked about the xenophobia, he said, let me be clear, it was never about that. What I wanted was I wanted a character who felt there was an invader in his home from someone that was looked very similar to him, but there was still a very deep bridge in communication. Right. Like Japanese and Koreans, they look very similar. You can't really tell the difference. But he would know the difference. Yeah, that was definitely definitely intentional, how, yeah. that, how that went. So the other thing that I want to talk about because I just, I want to get my questions answered. <laughs> okay. Um, we will try, but I'm on the same train that you're on right now. Yeah. So, something that I didn't understand, and maybe I just wasn't paying close enough attention, is why are the pictures taken of the victims? So, that actually has to do... So, I I never actually thought about the why until I learned something. Uh, there's an... And I, I don't know if this corresponds, but there's a big thing regarding um, religious versus sort of ritual ceremony so that's a that plays a big part i had learned just a few months back that there was an old belief that people had that if you took a picture of them you could steal their soul yeah i i knew about that um i actually 
I didn't know it was like that in um, Korean culture, but I knew it was like that in Native American culture because uh, yeah. they believed a lot of weird things about white people whenever, you know, the Europeans started coming over to the Americas at first. And like, you know, with them bringing over things like cameras and guns and stuff like that, like they they looked at guns like, you know, these wizards, these shaman would have these sticks. And if the end of the stick uh, exploded, then you would die. I think because they didn't know what it was, but what it was is someone was pointing a rifle at them and. Whenever, you know, it shot out or shot out one of the, I guess a ball bearing is basically what they used as a uh, ammo back then. Whenever that got shot at them, they would see the end of the stick explode and then someone next to them would die and they didn't understand what was going on. The same thing with pictures being taken of them. Like they kind of thought that, you know, you're able to capture my likeness on this piece of paper so accurately that it must be a part of me. Yep. And I think that was going on in the movie because around the same time. You see it early on the movie where he has a collection and then you see the end when the pictures of the dead corpses are being taken. It's essentially like they lost the game. They're mine now. But then you also see it uh, going forward to the end of the movie with the priest when he gets his picture taken. It's pretty much saying, look, look, because the priest basically says, you tell me what to believe and I'll believe it. Right. And the, right, that yeah. was his way of saying, well, hell, I don't even have to try yours. Your soul's already mine if if you if you if you give it to me that easy. Right. So we just, uh, you know, so I think that's what was going on with that. I'm not entirely sure, though. Yeah, that's like my own theory. Yeah. And that that ending scene was very confusing on purpose, too. Whenever he asks him, like, are are you the devil? It's like, I don't know. I guess I am the devil, because even if I tell you otherwise, you're not going to believe me. And so it just kind of like it almost felt like, you know, someone giving up, you know, someone who was tortured by all these people who are just trying to get him to leave. And then it's just like, does it even matter what I tell you anymore? Like, you're just going to believe See, what you want to believe. I really love that scene because he tells him exactly what he wants to hear. And the dude still changes his mind. Yeah. He goes, I am the devil. And then he stops. So he just gave the person back. And then there's the little bait because would you believe me if I said anything otherwise? I took that as an old man who was tortured by these locals and he and it didn't even matter what he said to them anymore, because no matter what, they're going to believe whatever they wanted to believe. But that first scene, you took him as the devil because how serious he said, he goes, I am the devil. And you're meant entirely to believe him when he says that. Yeah. And when he says the other one. And that's actually why they uh, chose uh, his name is Jun Kunamura. Jun Kunamura. The reason they chose him to play that part is because he tells a story with his face. And he needed somebody who could change face quick enough where you believe whatever facial expression, because who he is changes depending on the scene. And so at first he gives you that. But I love when he goes, so you'll let me go? And the dude's like, who said I was going to let you go? And starts laughing. And it yeah. goes back. Yep, see, there I am, the, the devil. And then he goes, what do you mean? Because you could leave on your own. I don't get to choose that. Yeah. And there's the bait, right? And so it's like saying it doesn't matter if you see the truth. Yeah. Because I can get you to believe it's not real. Which again could theoretically be xenophobic. <laughs> the, way, the way they did that. Yeah. So like I really do love that actor's portrayal of that character because through the whole thing, I was on his side. He was. He kept on saying, like, I think that he's just like another shaman, and if anything, he's the one who's keeping this evil spirit at bay and like dry was on that boat of like, he's keeping these evil spirits at bay and they keep on attacking him, which is causing the spirits to attack his daughter even more so. And he was on his side the entire time. He never like, it wasn't until the end of the movie that he believed he's like, Oh, okay. So he actually is the bad guy. 
Yes, like the movie just fucking worked on me. It just yeah. worked. <laughs> yeah, Jariah, uh, Jir- you also got your story too, right? Like they, if you had a position on the fence at some point or another, your position was validated. Yeah, yeah. Your, your belief was acknowledged, and then there's the bait. Yeah, and, which I think is I think is cool. But yeah, I I totally I totally get that. I was there were things that happened to him too, where like. Like we, you see him like broken when he falls off the cliff because he's hiding from that group of men. Yeah, you see him broken, and he's like he, he's crying, but you don't know if it's because of like physical pain or if he's like sharing the same pain that the father up above, not the father up above like God, but like the father <laughs> was on top of the cliff because when they couldn't find him, he broke down talking about his own child. So you don't know if he sh- it's a moment of shared empathy or if he's just so broken by this battle with this other entity that he's finally you know but you believe it when yeah. you see that you're like this isn't who we thought this person was yeah and dry is just like fucking knew it there's my guy <laughs> and but for, and honestly for me i was kind of on the fence the entire time because i realized that the movie was being purposefully vague and so i didn't want to choose sides too early because i kind of I guess my story was is like they're going to reveal what they want to reveal at the end of the movie and so I cannot draw conclusions until that point. So I was I was that very much on the fence until the movie until the credits rolled. Audience member. And again, I feel like that's why this movie works because you also got your payoff. There's right. a linear story you can follow. You can follow events now that you have a whole the whole story that you can follow. But dry if you were to go back, you can feel your story being told up until it passes. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I, I don't know. It's a success, I think. So I, uh, before we go any further, we should do a quick synopsis of what really happens in the movie. One minute breakdown. I'm going to try to do this in one minute. All right. <laughs> should I time you? No. It's not going to work <laughs> at all. So it's essentially about a father who is flawed, like most people. He's flawed. And he makes mistakes, and eventually his daughter has to pay for his own sins, which is also... Um, very religious in its own right. And eventually it ends up with the daughter being possessed more or less basically. And he ends up going and trying to kill this foreigner because he thinks that's what's causing all this pain because he hired this other shaman and this shaman was telling him that's what was happening. And all the while there's this mysterious figure around that you can't really figure out. And whatever mysterious figure is happening, it is causing it to make everybody kill each other, basically. Like, it, it attaches on to a person and it possesses them in a way, and then that person ends up killing everybody around them. And it eventually gets to the point to where there are multiple rituals done at the same time. Some of them false, some of them not false. Maybe all of them false, maybe none of them false. And it heads to a point to where there is a ghost and a possession and a demon and a shaman and they all sort of coalesce into it all it all comes to a head in the end basically and that's when i think things get confusing for me because throughout the movie the shaman that's hired to save the daughter or not save the daughter even the shaman that they hire the family hires to kill the japanese man to put a hex on him to kill him um ends up also working with the demon though it is very strange, and the only thing that I can think of, and it, this goes again to um, what this entity is allowed to do, is he needs a way to enter that house to further that spell. So that's what the shaman does. So when the shaman's making the 
curse against the demon, what he's actually doing is now he's in their domain and he's pushing that energy further into the household. That makes sense then. But then the other thing that I'm confused about is the woman who's around and warning him the entire time. Is that actually a spirit or is that a shaman also? Um, I don't know. That's a, that's a very good question. It is hard to say that. Like the only thing that makes me think she's a shaman is like towards the end of the movie when that old man is like, holds his hand out to the priest and says like, I'm not a ghost because I am a flesh and bone and ghosts are not a flesh and bone. And at one point, like at that same time, she grabs onto him. She grabs onto the father by the hand and she grabs on so tightly. She's like, he starts bleeding from how she's holding onto his hand saying like, don't go. You have to wait until the third crow, the rooster for the ritual to complete, to save your family. And if you leave now, it's all going to be for naught. And so like, that makes me think maybe she actually is a person. But the thing is, is like, if you notice about her, like she gets more and more pale as that scene goes along. So it makes it harder for him to believe her in a sense. Cause he starts noticing like little things about her like that. And like, when she grabs him at that point, like she is like super pale at that point, like right, like rice paper white. So I have two theories, and I don't know which one I believe. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it along to you guys, and I want your feedback. Okay. If she is another shaman, how is she able to just wander around constantly with no repercussions? It might be because no one's looking for her, because all the attention is being paid on to the Japanese man and the shaman. So they're, she's just kind of in the background for a lot of it. She's not really being paid attention to. Right. And then the other thing, if it's a spirit, which I think that's what I'm mostly going to, that's mostly where my head wants it to be, is a protective spirit of some kind. Um, why? So I lean towards her being a protective spirit too, and I think it's maybe just less about why and just that there there was a there's a very deep long con that went into these people's lives that was very malicious and it's just the i i mean for instance the loudest person in the room was the malicious one at the end of the day everyone knew about him first thing and this idea of good started with just a little bit of rock throwing while they were sitting on the bench right this right. annoying figure the the most quiet one that never essentially made any noise and that all it came to at the end of the day was that you just had to trust in it and that it was going to do right by you. And so I that, think that was when you say that also that does make me think uh Catholicism. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is a also the shaman was helping the the devil or the demon. Yeah. Right? The the pagan sort of more <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's definitely those those correlations. The, yeah, and, a correlation of the shaman helping the demon while the, in a sense, a holy spirit is trying to guide you, but also lets you have free will during this whole thing. So it's not trying to push you towards your resolution. You just ha- or have to listen to it, but you have to do it of your own volition. Pretty God much, actually. There's there's that too. I just the more that we're talking about this, and I'm getting answers, the more I'm feeling like this is just Catholic hullabaloo. <laughs> It is definitely there at the end of the day, but um, I also have a a theory as to what's going on, and I I think that theory is more tragic. Um, This movie may as well be God's Not Dead for. So the the director has a very – has a Christian foundation. His family's Christian, 
from what he says, he doesn't really practice the faith like they do, but he still is inherently Christian. He leans more towards atheism when it comes to questions about God. He likes to think about it rationally, and to him, that's what makes sense. And But when he needs to make decisions about life, he goes to Buddhist monks for advice. So he's sort of, you know, all around. When he made this movie, it was after, he, I think he lost two really good friends. Uh, they were very tragic deaths. They weren't very natural. And he said that funerals in South Korea last about three days. So it was three days of just asking why, why them and not me? Why, why did this happen this way? So if this movie is essentially about faith, what's going to help you? What isn't? And what happens is through the whole thing, you are put on the fence. Right. You feel bad for not believing the shaman. You feel bad for not believing the devil. At the end, you feel bad for not believing this good spirit. At the end of the day, whether it's a religious solution or a scientific one, there will still be a solution. Something will have to come through. There will be a cause and effect. And when you see it at the end, you'll be like, OK, yeah, this is what I could have done. But what we see is during all that, how the fuck do you know? I mean, what good was faith through that whole thing? And I think that's the bigger story is because, yeah, there was something he could have potentially had faith in. But what do you put your faith in? Right. Because that story changed like five or six times. So I don't it definitely does at the end of the day favor Christianity. And the thing he said about this movie is that he had to paint um, some of these more shamanistic religions a certain way because it's still a Korean movie. And Koreans are Christian, they're Buddhist, right? Right. So that's the audience it's made for. But it's it's less about what's right and more like how could you be even asked to choose? Like how could how could you know whose fault is this really? And I think that's what I get out of the movie. It's more like a very, very a, a director in a lot of turmoil who has thought about this question. And he goes, at the end of the day, it's even if this is the way. And how how is anyone supposed to know? How can you expect a person to make choices based off of faith, regardless of the answer? And that's yeah. what I my interpretation. And that's the thing is there's so much but, manipulation going on in the movie. It's hard for the people to have faith in one way or another. Sure. And at the end of the day, there is something you can go, you know, the the fucking cancer patient is like, oh, I should have listened to my doctor. You know what I mean? There's always something that, yeah hindsight there's a clear solution you could go oh well you should have done it this way <laughs> but during the turmoil what's the right way you know yeah kind of that hindsight is always in 2020 i mean if my daughter if i thought there was someone possessing my daughter i'd fucking approach them who wouldn't who wouldn't be like fuck that i'm gonna go over there and <laughs> confront this person that's a good point um speaking of possession i think something that was really cool about this film is ultimately it is a horror movie but it hops around in the subgenres of horror quite a bit. Like it starts off as a murder mystery and then a dark comedy and then it goes into a plain old possession movie and then it becomes into a manhunt movie and then for like 10 minutes it's a zombie movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like what what? <laughs> it does jump yeah. around quite a bit. Like uh towards the beginning of the movie, I I honest to god called it like in almost like a Korean Abbott and Costello style of movie because it's just like this cop who's not very good at his job dealing with these situations who are ve- that are very above him. It's mostly him seeing this, seeing this situation in front of him and then just 
completely freaking out at what's happening because he doesn't know what to do. Almost like, like, oh, zombies, oh, ghosts, kind of. <laughs> kind of way of looking at it. <clears throat> Abbott and Costello meet the devil. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. With, like, the, the, the kind of terrifying outcome you would expect if there was really a devil. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Pretty much. I gotta say, there's two scenes in this movie that I think are amazing, and it's when they're in the police station and it's thundering outside and you see the oh, woman yeah. outside oh, and they yeah. lose their shit. Yeah, you don't even see the woman at first. You just see the guy, like, uh, he just looks out and then he starts freaking out. He's like, oh, 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 and like, just uh, freaking out at what's right outside the window. And then the guy looks and that's whenever you see, like, that naked woman just standing right in front of the window and then they both start freaking out. Which, yeah, that... But that, the best part of it is, like, they're the people who are supposed to be brave and, like, what the fuck is this? And they fucking hide behind a desk. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... There was, uh... This meme that went around for a little while of, like, these two cops that are looking for somebody in the middle of a cemetery. And they just hear this really loud scream and both of them start running away automatically. <laughs> it's what it reminds me of. It's like, nope, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Not paid enough to deal with ghosts. There's also the scene where... They go to that place and that it was what they say was the woman at the at the precinct that they saw and she and they want him to apprehend her and he tries to touch her and she screams at him and he screams and he goes and gets another <laughs> officer. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really it's it's really great. And I don't know, it just gets me invested in the character. And also something the director said is that a lot of the characters, if, if you go to how much they say the, a lot of the characters actually don't say enough to really develop a full personality. And he said that the way you you get a personality, you get a sense of personality, you get a sense of who these people are. And he said what mostly does it is the situations they find themselves in, but it's the background around them. And so the environment definitely says a lot about the characters, I think. And you kind of just get an idea of, OK, these, these this is who these people are. And I, I think that was also successful. Yeah, it does a really good job of telling you who these people are and what this world is like without having to just use exposition and throw it right in your face the whole time. Like you get that the main character, the dad, the cop is a coward and he doesn't really know what he's doing just based off of his reactions to what's happening around him. Right. You get that the mom like is done and tired and doesn't know how to deal with her family just from what happens around her. And you get that like neither of them. Well, the dad has a couple of moments, I guess. But, like, the grandma is really the one that takes care of the kid. Like, she's the one who knows the kid and spends all of her time with her. And none of them feel like they have any idea what they're doing, though. And that's what I like about it. Because that's very real. Because yeah. as a kid, you always imagine, like, all the adults know what they're doing. They're adults. They're clearly out here. The world is still working. They must know what they're doing. And then you become an adult, and you're like... I just keep doing stuff and nothing's blowing up, so I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. It's one of those things. I think I was, I think it was like 19 or 20 whenever I first realized that like, oh my God, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. And like, I had this moment of terror yeah. when I realized that like, nobody really knows what they're doing. They're just keep going forward and hoping that someone doesn't die kind of thing. And so like, it kind yeah. of, that, that was like the first time that I realized it's a miracle I'm still alive. Yeah, I uh, I had a similar. It, mine came a little bit later, but it was I I don't know I you know I think growing up I had a lot of uh, self conscious issues, 
And but when I realized that, like everyone's foolish, because if, if someone came up and told me their success story of how they do things, I would just buy it. It's like, ah, that's how I need to do it like that. <laughs> and then I learned like it's mostly full of shit. What most people do is somehow it works for them. And then they act like it like they, they had it planned that way the whole fucking time, you know, or they give advice on something they don't understand. And I'm like, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing. I'm over here being super hard on myself. You know, because I inherently know that I don't know what I'm doing. I think I really like I felt like uh, especially like whenever you would hear like motivational speeches of people who are like, this is how I became successful. uh, I realized that those people are more more full of shit than someone who's just like, you just got to live life kind of mentality. Wing it. Yeah, Yeah, because that's that's the thing is I feel like it's one of the but I think confidence is key in a lot of things like that, because Half the people who are successful, even if they're bullshitting themselves and everyone around them, they're just super confident in bullshitting, and that's how they got to the point that they're at. Yeah, it's very true. Confidence is very, very important. Confidence, and I think Mark Twain said ignorance. He says people who are yeah. ignorant <laughs> of the world will be more successful than people who are aware of it. And so be confident advice. in your ignorance, and you'll be successful. Please don't quote <laughs> me on that. That's an- <laughs> America. Uh, sadly you want to laugh but it kind of it kind of hits it also hurts yeah (laughs) yeah so i think the thing that we haven't really talked about too much so far on this episode yet is how much of this movie really is just a very dark comedy for i would say almost half the movie it's mostly a dark comedy and then it manages to just transition into a real horror movie yeah it does it really well, too. Um, one thing I was going to say, uh, speaking on that, because it does go from, like, dark comedy to tragedy, and, like, the the ending of this movie is very, very tragic. Oh, 100%. And, like, it, it does move very much into you feel for this family, and you're sad when you see what happens to them towards the end of the movie. And, like, it's not even really within the fault of themselves because they're manipulated the entire time of watching it. But the, the point I'm getting at was actually... a. A comedian that I think all three of us like is uh, Trevor Moore. Uh, One thing that he said during, I think it was a Joe Rogan interview on his podcast, is um, comedy at its core is just tragedy rebranded. And that's kind of what it did, is it took the tragedy of what was happening towards the beginning of the movie and kind of just started rebranding it as it went along. And it had a very smooth transition between the two. Where, like, I can't even be mad at it. Like, there are movies to where, like, they move at a very jerky pace between one thing or another. Like, um, a, another movie, One Small Favor, that me and you watched, I remember you telling me that was, like, one of the problems that you had with that movie because it goes very much from a comedy movie to, like, this almost murder mystery tragic movie, but it does it in such a jerky motion that it doesn't feel natural. Yeah, they don't... It doesn't feel like it's playing it sincerely enough for me. Right, but this one is total opposite. This one does it very sincerely. It goes from a man who's, kind, like I said, kind of a coward and kind of a fuck-up trying to do right by his family and then ultimately tragically failing towards the end of it. Yeah. Paying for the sins. Yeah. Paying for the sins of the father in a weird way. But yeah, I just think, I mean, that's, that's, that's such a great way to put it is rebranding it because the movie starts off with tragedy. It starts off Mm -hmm. with the horrible murder and the way that the man handles it is very comedic. And, And but at the end of it, it ends the same way that it starts. Yeah. And you have feel a very different spectrum of emotions. Yeah. But even with that, like, I remember I kind of realized how dark this movie was going to be watching the very beginning of it. Like, it kind of starts off with him like, oh, like, you know, someone was murdered. I got to go or get to the scene. Like, oh, you should probably eat something first. Like, no, I got to go. Like, no, no, no. Eat something first. And then 
him sitting down and eating breakfast with his family and then getting yelled at by his superior saying that he's late again. And then him going and seeing these people that were butchered inside of this house and the killer just like sitting there with this very, uh, well, not even a blank stare. Like his eyes are just glazed over and like the white or his eyes just turned white. Like he's dead almost, but he just sitting there like staring into nothingness almost while are all while the uncle of the family that was just butchered is sitting there screaming at the man who just murdered them all. And then them also realizing like, you know, put piecing this murder mystery together at the beginning of it. And, not doing a very good job of it because they also try to say at like the beginning of the movie, like, oh, yeah, it's because the guy ate some wild mushrooms. And so now he's actually <laughs> all right. Yeah, now he's a murderer because of it. I fucking love that, too, by the way. That's <laughs> one of the like running jokes about that movie. Yeah, it's just like wild mushrooms. it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, he ate some bad mushrooms. Really? You're going to blame a double homicide on the fact that he ate some bad mushrooms like that's stupid. Wait, have and, you uh, ever eaten mushrooms? <laughs> Well, no, but I imagine if I did, this is what would happen. <laughs> yeah. When his when his partner dies and they're just standing in the murder scene, he's like, guess he just had some of those mushrooms. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, funny thing about that is there's a 2007 movie called Shrooms that is exactly the plot of that movie. Oh, good. Yeah, like, I completely forgot about that movie until we watched this one. Doubling back over to that first crime that we see, that first murder where the guy is sitting there and he has like all the boils all over his face. Yeah. And like you said, like his eyes are white and there's, he's staring off into nothing. What I really like about that in hindsight is that it's like, he's a husk now. Yeah. He was used up and he was unloaded like a cartridge and he was, and now he's just, now he's nothing. He's yeah. gone. He, there's nothing more that can be done with him. Everything that was inside is used up. Yeah. I also liked how they did the whole thing with the snapdragons. Uh, at the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie. Cause if you notice, like uh, I ended up looking up the flowers. Cause like those flowers that look like human skulls after they are, uh, after the pods wither and die and how there are snapdragons that were right above his house at the end of the movie. And whenever he passed by them, they started to wither and die and turn into the skulls. I thought that was pretty creative how they did that for the movie too. Kind of showing that like how, you know, he goes back to his house and then the snapdragons are there kind of showing that like this all happened beforehand with this family that was butchered at the beginning of the movie that, entire movie basically just played out for that family before it happened to this family yeah it's uh it's a constant thing there's not i mean i guess the only way to stop it is just to have faith and to do nothing in a weird way yeah which is a weird message to throw forward but it's a very christian message it to is throw a very forward. christian message but it's very <laughs> weird at the same time yeah but there was something interesting that you said when we got to the end of the movie rob you're like this is like a better sinister yeah. Which, I'm a little angry at the word better in there, because I think the first Sinister is pretty good movie. The first Sinister is a good movie, but I think I enjoyed this movie more than I enjoyed Sinister. That being said, I also enjoyed the first Sinister movie. Yeah, there is a lot of, like, similarities between the two of them, of, like, a if demon you possessing... just do nothing, then it all goes away. Yeah. But the second you try to move on and force something new to happen... That's what starts the chain of events. Because it's the same thing. Like, if the dad didn't look into all these murders and, like, start investigating all of it in the movie Sinister, then none of the things that happened in the movie would have happened. Kind of the same thing with this one. If he would have left that man, if he would have left that man alone, then chances are his family would be alive at the end of the movie. Yeah. Even, even the, I'm going to, I'm going to call her spirit. I'm going with the spirit idea because yeah. I like that more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even the spirit is just like, just don't do anything. I'm telling you, stay here with me have basically have, have faith, faith yeah. and stay here and do what I say and everything will end up fine. I don't understand why everything will end up fine. Um, it's I, so 
I think there is a very strong idea there. Uh, it's not 100% obviously because the world's never just one formula, but for instance, she was actually using the thing's momentum against itself. The same principle of the more you thrash, that's how I get you. She didn't, she, she did try to chase it down. That didn't really work. Right? No, no, it, it caused but, more problems. Yeah, but what she finally was going to do is I've laid a trap. Let this thing walk into the trap, and it's mine. Same principle he was using on them, right? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, and that's it's 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 the I think it's I think is there is some shit so nasty that once you get into it, no matter which way you're going, you're interacting with it, so it's going to lead to the same conclusion. And that's just what this is. I mean, it's it's also for instance. What Robbie said about free will, about how she she wasn't taking away his will. It was his choice to, to stay or go. I mean, she begged him not to, but it was begging. Where the demonic creature, he says, yes, you have free will, but he knows exactly what you're going to do if he baits it the right way. Right. So he's playing a game to remove as much free will as possible. And that's what, right? yeah, and it was, that's what I'm saying, like, towards the end, like, there is a clear sign of, like, this is what you're supposed to do, but he was manipulated so much throughout the entire movie that he had a hard time believing it whenever they told him just do this and everything will be okay. And the fact that he manipulated it to where like, you know, she was wearing the clothing that he baited or he baited him to see throughout the entire movie to where like, yeah, whenever he saw his daughter wearing the little brooch at the beginning and then he saw the brooch behind the, uh, the spirit to, you know, his wife wearing that shawl, shawl, if you will. And then her wearing that same shawl. And then like, you know, her at some point wearing that jacket and then like that zombie that attacked them wearing the same jacket. Like it made him to believe like that she was actually the problem and he wasn't kind of thing. And so like there is a lot of manipulation in this movie leading up to this point. So just one of those he had the free will to do what he was supposed to do. And she tried to like, you know, tell him like this is what you should be doing, but she wasn't going to force him to do it. Yeah. So what I want to say is that this (laughs) I never thought that I would find a korean movie that pushes strong christian values so much yeah (laughs) that that is an interesting way to look at it too because i think we i I guess like here in america we see korean and japanese and you know maybe even chinese uh type of religions as mostly leaning towards buddhist but maybe that's like i think that's just like the stereotypical way to look at it too because i'm pretty sure that other countries probably look at america and think that it's just very strongly christian religion even though there's a a whole slew of religions. I mean, it is mostly Christian, but there are others. Yeah, there are others. Like, uh, if you remember back whenever we were churchgoers, like they kept on going on about the threat that Muslim are, that Muslims were (laughs) bringing onto America's because like the Muslim faith was starting to catch some, um, catch some believers and or catch some followers into where it was actually getting to the point where like it was the second most, uh, viewed religion right next to Christianity. And so Christianity saw it as a threat in a weird way. I will say that the principle of this movie works for that. Yeah, it does. Um, the idea that, for instance, Christians were so, oh, the Muslims. And, and what did they do with the concept of Muslims? They put themselves in their own corner. And really what they should just do is, look, that's its own religion. Let it do its thing. I'm going to focus on my thing. And that issue would not be there, right? But Christians have to attack things they don't understand and don't like. Yeah. Have to poke and prod. So, I mean, it's if you if you think about it, it's actually the same theory that this one looks not evil obviously muslims aren't a fucking demon right, japanese dude you know <laughs> they're just their own religion doing their own thing right 
but that's the same concept. Most most things that you're scared of that terrify you just you just keep doing your own thing because if you attack the problem, you make the the problem bigger. Although I I don't necessarily think that that was the intentional message to take from this. I don't think so either, but I think it's kind of they played on that whole. I think it was Ronald Reagan, and I'm paraphrasing with this, but I remember he had a quote that was similar to um, whether you do the right thing or you do the wrong thing, the worst thing you can do is nothing. And this plays against that whole ideal. But a lot of people do believe that, that the worst thing you can do in some situations like this is absolutely nothing, especially whenever you're in a protective role, like a father, then, you know, you that's feel like you a, have I mean, to do something to... I mean, that's kind of the point, right? Yeah. Like, how can you just do nothing? Like, if it's your... When it's your, your family at stake. Yeah. And I think that's... There's there's a lot. Like, it's 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 a trap that you're just going to run into because the emotions and the fears is so visceral. Right. You know, the, what other way is there to go? And that's that's the whole key, right? But you see it. I mean, look at the most terrified people, right? They they are the ones that get branded. Like, yeah, you see these crazies? No matter how true they are, that that's the first thing they fall into is they run into it, right? Yeah. I mean, people will fall into their own traps, you know? If you, you could look at it, and if, if you do something that's really nasty and it just happens, that thing's going to... F- fuck up it's not going to be able to continue right but usually we we do get we do get caught up in fear and then we end up sabotaging ourselves and that thing usually ends up winning (laughs) well it's like it's like that's that's kind of the point that i was going towards was yeah like because you feel like whenever something terrible like this is happening that you have to do something but that was kind of the whole problem with it is that with him do with him acting during or him reacting to cer- certain situations that he should not have been reacting to, it caused everything to you know go sideways. Like he shouldn't have attacked that man's house, and he shouldn't have, if he wouldn't have attacked that man's house. There's a good chance it would have left him alone because he didn't see boils on his daughter's skin until after he went and started you know demolitioning through that man's house. Uh, if he could have possibly, it kind of hints that. Uh, the ritual would have worked whenever the shaman was doing the ritual and it was killing the old man that it it would have worked if he would have let the ritual continue, if he would have just done nothing. And his daughter and his family would have been safe at the end of the movie instead of all of them dying if he would have done nothing. And see, that's the thing. But if he did do nothing with the shaman and my theory is correct, the shaman would have killed his daughter. And that is also a possibility, but it just a lot of it showed a sense of like uh, people running headfirst into situations that they know nothing about and then making the whole situation worse, which is how I saw it at least. I mean, but also look at, for instance, how, you know, um, fucking look at like COVID man, when people are buying all the toilet paper, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, your fear gets taken advantage of, do you know what I mean? And then you see the inverse, you see all these people afraid of tyranny in the United States. So they go out fucking, no one's going to tell me what to do. Then they all get sick on a fucking beach. (laughs) Yeah, because <laughs> that's that, freedom. That's I mean, it's stupidity, honestly. But <laughs> it, it is what it is. But it, but again, there's also the message like, how can you not when you're the one there, when it's your child, how can you not fall into that trap? Right. right? Where do you place faith? There was a lot of things to place faith in. Where, and, where do you? Yeah. And that was the it thing is he was he seemed like he was very confused at the end of that movie because he didn't know where to place his faith because he had been manipulated so much to that point that he didn't know what to believe. Yeah, I I, I think that's why this movie 
did so well. It made me place myself unwittingly. I didn't even realize it until we started having this conversation for the podcast. It made me place myself in the shoes of the father. I felt like I was being torn around just as much as he was, and I didn't know what to believe, and I didn't know if the shaman was full of shit, or if the Japanese man was full of shit, or what the ghost was doing, or like, right? I didn't know. And then when I finally realized what was going on, it was too late. When it's all said and done, you will have your answer. What the fuck is it going to mean when it's all said and done? Yeah. How does that help you? It's, yeah. I mean, you know, there's always a truth behind something. The solution to that truth, how the fuck do you know, right? What do you go to? Yeah. Which unfortunately then goes back to the other reality. All you can do is keep moving forward and try not to get snagged. Right. In the fear. Right. And that's again. And then that goes back to the next thing. Well, how the fuck do you not? Because <laughs> I think we've all been afraid of something in our life at some point, whether it was job security or something. You don't just. It's not just. Well, don't think about it. Keep yeah. Doing you. It's like no. This is inside me now. Yeah. This is. Like, this, this is going to eat away at me until I do something. Which I yeah, I totally get that too. I don't know, it, but that's the thing. Like, even if you do nothing, bad things can still happen. Right. But what are you supposed to do? You know what I mean? I feel like that's what when he was whispering to his daughter at the end, like, "Daddy will take care of it." Daddy, Daddy's the police officer. He knows how to handle it. It's yeah. kind of like the thing. It's like we try to tackle problems we don't understand because we fear them, and then we get ourselves entangled and essentially. Because there isn't, like, for instance, the the shaman, right? They they paint this picture where the the demon at the same time is doing his own ritual against the the little girl. The dad doesn't know that. The dad just sees the shaman doing his thing and sees there's a direct effect to the girl's behavior, right? So he doesn't know the whole story. He doesn't understand what's going on at at all. But he decides he needs to act because he sees something. He's afraid of it. He needs to go stop it. Right. But then again, another point that I'm trying to make, because I feel like it's a big thing, is how do you not, right? How can you not do what he did? And it's like you said, because sometimes, yeah, well, you do nothing and you still yeah. get fucked because you did nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's the, and it just, that's and the hopelessness of it. Yeah. Right? And it, it is, it does very much fall into that in the moment. How could you know any different? There's no way to know what answer is the right answer. I think the movie does a really good job of portraying that. It does. Uh, with everyday life, with just problems, and then with people who are struggling with, with what they believe with faith. Like, how can you know what the right answer is? Faith is not enough when you're experiencing it, which I think he portrays yeah. very well. I think, honestly, you know. the director did a really good job of putting out a lot of himself in this. And I feel like when what, what you've congratulated him on is, for instance, the comedy and also the type of horror. This is horror that he's experienced. It's just a metaphor. And the comedy, I, he, people had asked him how he weaves the two together. And he goes, well, I felt like it was too dark because it was too dark for me. So I put in things that would make me laugh. He's like, <laughs> because how do I know what other people find funny? I only know what I find funny. He's like, so this is largely a story for me. You pretty much like it because it feels like a real. It feels real personal. Story. I think that's why it works, you know. But I mean, yeah, like creators, they have to put a lot of themselves in something because I think on just like a small micro level, people can tell when something doesn't feel real. I think they can tell when something feels manufactured and fake, and it could be what is considered to be the funniest movie ever. But if somebody walks into that 
And they're like, oh, none of this feels like anybody actually thought this was funny. They just thought this is what jokes were, so they wrote these down. Like, you you feel that. And, like, that's that goes with, like, horror. That goes with any storytelling medium, I think. Or where anybody anybody has to tell a story. If they don't put themselves out there, then it feels fake and the audience isn't interested. It's actually the first demon on the road to any creative project. Because you, you start it, you're like, well... How do I make something that people like? And it's like, well, then you've already lost because you don't know. You've only ever experienced your own thoughts. Even what you perceive as what other people like is only your fucking perceptions. Right. So you're already playing a losing game, you know? (laughs) So, yeah, it's that's all you can put into it is yourself at the end of the day. I mean, there's really no there's literally nothing else. There's no fucking creative personality there's like do you see this conception i care nothing for it it's an elaborate <laughs> trap for society and the things they like <laughs> yeah well yeah. with like the whole manufacturing thing too like honestly you see that a lot in different kind of mediums like you see that in some movies like i guess a good example of something like that were like the cash are like the cash crop movies that they made of like the uh not like well i guess not not another teen movies but like all the movies that followed it afterwards, like Epic Movie and Disaster Movie and stuff like that, that was just like spoofs of all these other things because they saw it work with stuff like Airplane and Hot Shots and the original Scary Movie, and then they just went with that. Like, okay, like this is apparently the formula that people liked, and they just tried manufacturing their own formula to it, and none of them worked quite as well as those originals did. Or even stuff like with music, because uh, you see that a lot in the country scene, wherever like a lot of rock bands realize that they can't make it as rock stars, so they start going as country stars because they can they figured out the formula to country song and so they just went with that because they realized they could sell albums with kind of that manufactured country sound i understand what you're getting at but i also just want to point out this is the second time on this podcast that you've said they couldn't make it in rock so they went to another genre (laughs) (laughs) you said that with punk before when we were talking about that you're like they couldn't quite play their instruments well enough so they just did punk i mean they did (laughs) that's not really why though respects the hell out of that genre. That's just, it's like they couldn't cut it. You either can make well, no, it or you can't. There's no other reason. <laughs> Robbie, that just is because you're hardcore, man. You 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 listen to the hardcore music, so everything has to be I'm what you call purists. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I mean, I get I get what you're going at. And like what what you're talking about like the uh the spoof movies. I think what they forgot in that formula is they, they saw like, hey, you make fun of this movie, you have a tiny bit of plot, you make fun of this movie, you have a tiny bit of plot. What they forgot was that the people who were making all those movies that were making fun of all the other movies weren't making fun of them because they hated them. They're making fun of them because they loved them. Right. And so they forgot that part of it. They forgot the love and the actual care. And when somebody cares about something and make fun of it, you can feel it. When someone doesn't give a shit about something and they make fun of it, you can feel it. Right. But did you have any other uh, fun facts you wanted to share, Rocky? Uh, I do have I do have some things. Um, for instance, the ceremony scene where they're doing the exorcism. That was actually one long take of the exorcism. It was just cut to show what the other characters were doing. Um, during that time, they had shamans on the scene uh, instructing how to do the actual exorcism. So the things you see are actually how exorcisms are done in certain aspects of shamanism in Nepal, which is the area he went to look for that kind of um, stuff. Uh, The people who were playing instruments were actually the family members of the shamans on stage. Oh, wow. Yeah. um, 
And then the the actor who played the shaman, the, he was congratulated by the other shamans because they said that he he performed the part better than the average shaman does. <laughs> and so they they congratulate, which is you know what you usually hear about actors is they usually get a when they do those those things like whether it's boxing or um, uh, armed combat, you usually hear praise when they some like uh, Keanu Reeves I think's gotten praise. For John Wick, yeah, for how he handles combat. Uh, uh, so you know it. it I happens. mean, in that case though, he's actually a black belt in two different martial arts. Yeah, but I mean, like some actors just go all that way. Um, I'm just gonna go through my fun facts very quick. Yeah, um, yeah go ahead. Uh, the shots that were taken in the forest were all essentially random. Uh, originally, the director had a storybook for what he wanted to do, uh, but they abandoned that uh someone he's really close to and i couldn't actually tell that individual's role in the movies but that person would just randomly go out into the woods and find locations so everything was randomly shot and that led to something of an existential crisis when it came to choices and again that's you see that in the movie just how can you make the right choice because for certain shots they would have to make choices how to shoot it which uh, when you're dealing with some of these these small villages, they all have their own traditions and beliefs, which morally questionable things comes into the making of the movie. For instance, in one village, they had to cut down a ginkgo tree to get the shot of the village, but the ginkgo tree was considered the guardian spirit of that village. Oh fuck! So, uh, yeah, they were they were gonna cut that tree down and the director says, and he point out if you cut this tree down you're going to hell and then they said well if we shoot this movie aren't we going to hell anyway <laughs> and so they said that these were literally choices that kept them up at night and that they actually had a shaman uh and they were having serious nightmares because of it i guess there was just the stress of these things which is just probably a cultural thing because i feel like americans would just Fucking burn the whole goddamn <laughs> forest <laughs> and never think about it. <laughs> Chop every tree down around thing. the village. We'll put in CGI trees. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I mean, but uh, but they had a shaman conduct a ritual for them to alleviate the the nightmares. At least I think so. It's very vague. He says, "Yeah, we kept having nightmares, so we saw a shaman over a ceremony." So I'm assuming that's what he meant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess the only other thing that I would bring up is the director was asked because he was he was told that there would be Americans watching this movie and people from other countries. And if he had done anything, because as you see, there was there seemed to be a lot of um, there, there were some strong associations with the Exorcist movie. Right. A lot. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so he said if, if he did that intentionally, he goes, honestly, at the end, of the, he said, it wasn't that I want I don't want you to watch this movie and feel you have to take something away from it whatever anyone from any country wants to take from it, take from it. It's your, it's your movie. It's your story. You, you'll see these things. Obviously you'll see the exorcism, the, so the ode to it, you'll see these things, but your it's your relationship with it. He said, the only thing that I ask is that it, you let it instill for you in a moment, some condolence for those who have fallen as victims to the world. And for those who are left behind, which was the only thing he wanted everybody to take away with some of that sorrow for uh, people who have experienced tragedy in their lives and the people who are left was essentially the only thing he wanted everyone to take away. So he's not really interested in the whole, whether you leave thinking Christianity is the best or the worst. <laughs> or the shamanism the, is the, the best Japanese or the worst. Man. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, just just the condolence part. Huh. Well, with that, I think we should go into final thoughts. Uh, I'll start off then, Robbie, then Rocky. Okay. So, I feel like what we've been saying throughout all this conversation here is I've, I think the movie's good. It is a good movie. I, uh, there's some messaging that I kind of take away from it that I don't really agree with, <laughs> but ultimately I do think it's good. It's beautifully shot. It's well-directed. It feels like the director really did put a lot of himself into it. And like I've said, that's, that's one of the most important things a creator can do is put themselves in the project. So you get a feeling like that's, it's part of them. You get a feeling like you get to know them in some way through this thing, whether they intend for that to be the case or not. Um, but you can feel passion. You can see passion in, in the screen. And so because of all that, I honestly, I do really like it. I, I would love to watch this movie again at some point and see if I take anything else away from it. Yeah, I think I would, uh, I think I'd have to give it an eight solid eight there. And then for me, uh, I did like this movie too. I'm kind of in the same tone is dry of like some of the messages i didn't really agree with either whether it was like the xenophobia or like you know christianity good and shamanism bad kind of vibe that it kind of gives towards the end of the movie (laughs) but um and i was gonna give it a little bit of a lower rating but with us talking about it and like getting different views of it and how we talked about the movie was purposely meant to like you know whether you're the kind of person that you know, has already decided what kind of movie this is going to be or whether you're on the fence about it or whether you have no opinions at all. Like this is a movie for you. I think it did do all those things pretty well. And I didn't really think about that until Rocky said that. And it made me think about the movie a little bit more having the discussion about it. So I was originally going to give it a seven, but I'd give it like an 8.5 after the conversation we had, because it did make me think just that much more about this movie. It went from kind of like a you know, like you said, kind of just like a horror movie that pushes religion a little bit, but is also, you know, has a family tragedy in it to, you know, something that has a deeper message behind it. And so, yeah, I, I give it an 8.5. I did enjoy this movie. If this movie pushes xenophobia, despite the hard history South Korea has with Japan, because if you look at it historically, it would be like if a... You had a movie about a black neighborhood and a white person moved in. Historically, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why everyone should hate this white person. Because Japan <laughs> colonized South Korea, turned a lot of people into sex slaves. Uh, there was slavery. So a lot of South Koreans have a lot of reasons not to historically like Japanese, right? Fair. So you can't can't feel too bad, but xenophobia is still xenophobia, right? So if it if it pushes that, I don't condone it. If it pushes a particular re- religion, I can't condone it. Because I think the movie is so good, I'm willing to believe that that's not what that movie is about. And obviously, if someone comes up with an entire theory to support, you know, this would be taken off the table. But until that day, I'd have to say I give this movie a 10 because it really just it just resonates with me. This is a this is when I first started watching this movie the quarter of the way through. I was like, I can't give this movie more than an eight. And it started pumping up to a nine. And then talking about the things we talked about, because I had gone into this conversation ready to give it a nine, just actually just how the things in this movie were constructed, it's a 10. Um, If there are 
messages as shallow as which religion's the best, which races or not races. Well, race, is it race? Is there Japanese and I don't know if that's a different race. I don't know enough about life or history. I'm an ignorant man. But <laughs> like I said, it kind of goes. It, that kind of jumps into like the whole like a difference between an Irishman and a Scotsman kind of thing. Yeah, like, I don't counting on who know. you ask like, are the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So whatever, like those don't interest me. Those kind of stories about that's not if that's if that's what it's about it would steal a lot of the magic away from for me because then it wouldn't really matter these questions wouldn't matter because it's like oh it's just your shitty fucking opinion on on what life is right (laughs) but as long as there's a conversation to be had like how do you deal with trauma and how do you how how do you handle these things and yeah what as long as this conversation can be had where we can all walk away with our own um, that the story pretty much provided all of us what we thought was going to happen. I don't know. I'd, I'd give this a 10. It, it definitely, it definitely, I got wrapped up in the magic of it. Um, so that would be 10 for me. Okay. Awesome. Like I said, the conversation of like, you know, being put in these dire straits and what would you do in those situations? Like that, that conversation did push me to like this movie even more. Yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that discussion as well. If you are just listening to us for the first time, you can find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, Last Ones In, both places. Or you can shoot us an email at the Last Ones In podcast at gmail.com. Ask us whatever you want. Give us your opinion on a movie, whatever you want to do. Again, that email is the Last Ones In podcast at gmail.com. And you can find our episodes pretty much anywhere where you listen to podcasts. We're out there. Also, if you didn't know, every Saturday night after we get done recording our episode, we go take a small break and then we come back and we do a we do a live show and talk about whatever's going on in the world and our lives and if it correlates to movies and stuff, that's great too. But if you guys want to join on that live, that's every Saturday night between 10 and 12 Mountain Standard Time USA. We have a great time there. It's always a fun show. But yeah, uh thank you guys for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you, Rocky. Thank you for presenting. This was this was Yeah, this good. is a good movie. Thank you for showing it to us. Thank you. This this was this was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Yeah. All right. If you guys are out there protesting, protest safely. Gloves, masks, all that good yes. stuff. If you are not protesting, then stay in your fucking house. Stay alone. Stay alive. <laughs> uh, you guys be safe out there. Thank you for listening. Have a good one. Later. Talk to you next week. Talk to you sometime. <laughs> well i figure you know because dry could just edit whatever we could just fill the awkward silences with just absolute stupid shit <laughs> like a little squirrel noises and then dry <laughs> just cut that later so it's <clears throat> yeah that's sadness am i right i'm dead inside <laughs> <laughs> I actually just saw something. You, I guess Drake and Josh, there's songs in there. Like they have songs that you can listen to. And someone's, like, they showed like something on their iPod. They got a reminder for a year of how many. They listened to that song like for 10,000 minutes or something like that. <laughs> it's the only song they played that year for 10,000. And it's the only new artist they discovered. They're like, well, this is it. This is the fucking song this year. Yeah. (laughs) This is all I need. (laughs) 